Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Improv Network podcast. This is a show where we talk about improv, uh, <laughs> having conversations aimed at... <laughs> we talk about our, everything. Not our new slogan. <laughs> uh, aimed at uh, building stronger connections throughout the improv community. That's it. James, James using the classic device of, if you don't have anything to say, just say, hey. And so they yeah, come just say, <laughs> Start forming vowels, and eventually you'll say something. <laughs> Build some anticipation to actually form the word, and it's always satisfying. And yes, if you have uh, nothing, it just sounds cool, so you still fill the space. <laughs> hey! <laughs> See? It works. Uh, I'm James Quesada. And I'm Bob Wick. We're your education team for the Improv Network. You can check out the improvnetwork.org for all sorts of wonderful resources, including blogs and interviews and the ability to put up your own improviser profile, team profile, theater festival profiles. And you can also find the Improv FAQ tab, which has these conversations as well as some lecture videos and uh, video resources for you on educational improv. Um, our guest today is the co-CEO of the Improv Yay. Network. Melanie Leon. Thanks for joining oh, us, Mel. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so I am the CEO of the Improv Network, which means I get to work with these lovely two humans, which is amazing. And I've really been enjoying watching this show and the podcast and hearing everything you have to offer. So it's a true honor to be able to be a guest myself today. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about um, improv simulations, like training exercises and uh, occupational type role play. Um, which I'm very interested to talk about because uh, you brought it up as a potential topic, and um, uh, we'll, we'll start by hearing about what your experience is with it. I have a little bit of it myself, and I think it's a very interesting, not something that you think about a lot when you th think about like, well, you know, man, uh, I'm I'm doing a bunch of improv, and I wonder if, if there's a way that I can like uh, apply it in the real world or or to other like occupational things adjacent to uh, improv. So I think it's a good really interesting topic that I, uh, I hope people, um, opens up a new world of ideas to people. Yeah. But, I'm, I'm yeah. really excited about this. Cause I've, I've never took a step into this world. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear about this. Yeah. And so what is your, uh, experience with this type of improv Mel? Yeah. So I actually have quite a bit of it. My journey, I guess, with this began in college. So I had this weird, a hybrid line of study, which was like half, uh, let's call it 80% biology science degree. And then I was also doing improv and I love them both. And I was kind of trying to sit there and decide, how do you incorporate both into you know the required thesis that I needed to do? And I ended up partnering with a local hospital and doing kind of this simulated role play with improvisers that were part of the group that I was in to teach in that time, their occupational therapists basically had to communicate better with their patients to get a better outcome. And basically, we would give these improvisers a situation, um, a mindset, and then they would improvise with the medical professional. And it would give the medical professional these reps to practice their communication skills before they have them on the floor. And so I got to kind of do this whole series with the hospital and run through this program and develop it. And that's kind of where my fascination and love with all of this started. And then for the last six years, I actually got hired by that hospital to do simulations for different people that worked in the hospital. And then as of recent, I've also started doing 
simulations for the military. Mm. So wow. all of them kind of, and, and they also exist, you will find them, you know, groups will be doing them for businesses and corporations, groups will be doing them, you know, in education. And, you know, the general concept always is, how do we teach these professionals to communicate? How do we put them in these situations before they are in them in the real world and before their actions impact a real human life? So, you know, especially kind of in the medical realm or the military realm, facing these often really intense, really often life or death situations, kind of hectic, emotionally heightened situations before there's a real human there whose life literally depends on how they handle it. If we can give them that experience, if we can give them that practice, you kind of get a little muscle memory. You get used to saying the things you have to say. You get used to being comfortable having to make the decisions you have to make. And that's where the improvisers come in. You know, they get some bullet points, they get a scenario. Every program is different how they handle that. But then you are in that room playing that, you know, patient, that other person in the corporation, the customer and customer service, you know, another person in your unit in the military. And you are playing it and you are improvising with that person. You are responding in the moment wow. from your character to really get them ready for the real world. And, you know, studies have shown time and time and time again that this not only prepares them better, but they have a higher success rate when they face them in the real world. You know, so yeah. I, I started in the medical world. That's what my thesis is on. So it's probably where I have the most knowledge, but it, it works in a similar manner everywhere. So it's it's really fascinating. And a lot yeah. of improvisers across the country are involved because they're the best to do this. They're the people who truly can be like, your character has this thought about the world and then get into that mindset and improvise with them. Yeah, so I, I think the first thing that, that I am really curious about is the like the types of roles that you would do. I mean, hospital and military seem like pretty involved um, occupations to be like just yeah. jumping in and role playing to because unlike, you know, stage improv, you can't just like make shit up. So like what kind of what kind of like <laughs> yeah. what kind of like prep do they give you or, or like um, when you, you, were you initially for the hospital stuff? You said you were like designing this uh, these exercises, right? So like how when you have when you have someone who's role playing the scenario for the uh, person who's doing the training, how are you figuring out like, OK, you need this much information, um, but also understandably, you can't just like, you know, get get uh, an overnight crash course and all the nuances and what and whatnot. Like, how do you kind of package it for training? Yeah. So, again, I think every organization kind of has a level of criteria that they deem necessary. But in a lot of my work, and especially in the program that I was developing, there is a ton of research. And not necessarily on the part of just the improviser, but on the person who is creating the point of that exercise. So uh, in you know my thesis, one of the ones we would be focusing on is deciding on how to handle someone who is showing signs of you know potentially being suicidal. So how as that occupational therapist, the person is there for other reasons, but you're starting to get kind of these hints and these clues that they might be suicidal. So how do you prepare for that? You know, you have to really do the research of what do people come into these offices visits for? Mm -hmm. What are the types of kind of um, signs, either nonverbal or verbal from themselves or from their family that might be clues for you to realize that's happening. 
And then what are the rules and regulations of the organization? If they know it's happening, they have to follow. Are they allowed to, and their organization to ask, to comment, to handle it? Do they have right. to contact a higher up? So you kind of have to really understand those steps so that you can provide them to the performer. And then in a situation like that, you know, we often will pair with a subject matter expert. So someone who is in the hospital, someone who is in the military, someone who is in that exact corporate office to really understand truly the environment and what the rules and regulations are, which then allows us to go back and basically rehearse with the improviser. Oh, being cool. like, let's see your physical stance head to toe if we're trying to portray this. And, and you run oh. through it. Uh, there were times that, you know, in my hospital work since then, that I've had to play younger individuals, you know, think like 12, 13 uh, with autism, which clearly is not something that I know the mannerisms nor the language for. So they would bring in a subject matter expert, someone who researches that, and we would sit in a room together and we would watch videos wow. and we would walk through you know, the actual papers kind of written for it. We would be given the terminology, we would watch a video for each term, and then we would run it. You know, people who have seen this day in and day out, and they would be like, oh, tweak this a little bit, you know, we need your hands to be doing this instead, or, oh, that's not a word we would necessarily hear. Mm -hmm. And and you run through it so that you really understand kind of the behaviors and, you know, the mechanisms of your body that you may not know. So there is a much larger research prep than otherwise it's not just like go and run it and then we'll see right, it's right. definitely like research then run then research then run then do the simulation yeah, yeah I, I i did I think, um, um I did, I did like a like interview, a, interview exercise thing with um a police, police station that was uh hiring a new sh uh, sheriff and they had all these candidates and so they wanted them to go through scenarios with like uh civilians and um then like internal stuff and whatnot but i yes. i think i got um i think i got like an email with like a breakdown of, of of like you know a paragraph of of what each of the types of personas they were looking for and which ones i would likely be playing um but and they but then but then i got there and then i got to ask maybe a couple questions and like it went well and, and i and they were happy with what we did and everything but i just like uh i was like wow i don't know one of the one of the uh the characters that i was playing was like a um somebody who uh is pushing back like the, the scenario is okay this this per this officer is um becomes the new sheriff um and then they're trying to discipline one of the officers um, on their team, but that that officer is um, pushing back because like they ha they have actually been there longer than the new sheriff or whatever. And I'm like 25 and doing this, and I'm like I, I don't really know what like <laughs> yeah. what like a 45 year old. I've never had seniority like. before. What does that <laughs> yeah. feel like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know. Again, I, I think it worked for for what they were doing, and, and it was right. a little bit more just like um, basically seeing how they deal with stress in the moment, uh, and not so much about like uh, the practical, like the the effectiveness of of what they what they do as a result. But um, yeah, so that that's been my experience. What you're describing sounds like um, a really great uh, way to, to to just like actually be learned and trained on. A, a very pretty detailed um, understanding of, of what you're doing. Yeah. 
And then do, do, does it still, I'm, I'm sure that obviously that's way more effective and um, you can do a lot more with it. Like it's a, it's more flexible, but like, are there still times in, in your experience doing it where you're like, ah, shoot, I don't know. Like I'm like in a corner of, I'm in this moment. I don't know the reality of how to respond to this or like it feels inauthentic. Like what, what happens when you run into those kind of situations? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that happens to anyone at any time. And that's part of yeah. the beauty of having improvisers do it because when we hit that moment, we're just like, all right, we're gonna keep going. You know, we yeah. don't hit like the moment of just like, oh no, I'm frozen. It's just like, well, I, I hope you tell me after if I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, was the the <laughs> Very possible. I have definitely, I mean, and I'm sure we all have in you know situations they'll be like, uh, have you taken this medication and was its impact this? And I'm just like, I don't know. You know, yeah. patients do that too, which is the beauty yeah. of the medical world. It's just like, mm. um, but yes, you do run into those moments. And I think it depends on kind of the detail of the scenario. So you will get scenarios that are like, you are this age, this is your name. And uh, you fell off a ladder and your arm hurts. And like, that's, that's all you get. Okay. And you go in and you're like, uh, yeah, of course, this is how many kids I have and I'm married and you're just making it up completely. And in those moments, it's it's definitely easier because you kind of have just an open world in front of you to create where as long as you're consistent, you don't change the symptoms, you have the world open to you. And then you do get ones that are much more detailed, much more specific. Uh, but I will say it's pretty rare that you run into those moments where you're like, I honestly don't know what to do. You, you feel prepared. You really have what to fall back on. You really kind of understand where, if you're unsure, what is that behavior to kind of sink into? Um, I, weirdly enough, probably like kind of those autism cases are the ones that are kind of specific and how they really want that end objective to be hit. So okay. you don't really want to kind yeah. of waver off of kind of that center line they provide to you too much but they do a really great job at kind of providing, you know, if if they're pushing you out of your comfort zone, where you kind of fall back into as far as the scenario description. So there's all levels of details and all levels, which kind of keep the variety up if you might ever feel stuck. But it's not often because you are improvisers and you do kind of get to create the character or enough of the character is provided for you to feel comfortable in. Um, I mean, there are definite ones where I've wondered if I've gone too far, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, we gotcha, might be yeah. playing a, a psych case, you know, where they get someone in who they consider kind of like a code red and you are having a mental break and you are one of those patients that they are trying to decide, could you hurt them if they get too mm -hmm. close? Could you potentially run through that glass window right there you know and you really kind of get to do these incredibly heightened aggressive characters and there are definite moments where you're like screaming and thrashing and throwing things and making very aggressive threats that you're like is this too much whatever i just said was that too violent you know i, I don't know if i've gone too but you're still going and you know usually it's not too far usually they're like yep that's what we face on a day-to-day -day. and you're like wow yeah, yeah. i am so sorry for you this is terrifying you yeah, know wow, that you wow. have to go yeah. through this but those those moments happen sometimes you're like i don't know if i should have just said that but i'm gonna keep going and hope 
I love that you're tracing the thought as it passes through the front of your, your brain. Yeah. yeah, I distinctly remember in one of those scenes, uh, the director of it was kind of like, do whatever you want. These people never know what's coming into them. And just like, I don't know, take the hand sanitizer, just like emptying it all into my hand and just like flinging it into everybody's face. And at one point I was like, maybe this is too much. Like I'm actively well, they'll give you notes after. On. That's that's what notes are for, right? That's what notes are for. <laughs> that's what notes are for. Uh, notes you, are mentioned, for. you mentioned earlier um, talking about the nonverbal com communication and it reminded me of uh, a story you were telling me and James, I think a couple weeks ago about you having some serious um, makeup on and having an issue getting it off before. Can you just remind me? I, I'm, I'm foggy on the details. Can you tell that story? Yeah. Well, part of it is, you know, sometimes there's injuries or surgeries. So they will do something called moulage, which is basically theatrical makeup or temporary tattoos. So you might get a temporary tattoo of like an infected surgical site. So it's like all red and gross looking <laughs> with sutures in it or you might get a black eye, or you might get something on your hand that it looks broken. And so it's meant to stay on. So I've had many times where I've gone from this job to a you know, actual improv on a stage at a theater position, and you're like <laughs> in the green room trying to like rub it off you know, with an alcohol wipe or something, and you don't always get it off in time. So sometimes you do get to walk around just a little bruised looking or like a little cut or something. Um, That's right. I do remember. I do remember yeah. you telling that story because yeah, yeah. that was also in the same conversation where we we're talking about you having to pretend to poke people with needles, right? So I think that was just a, a growing moment bit. That's not reality. Oh, okay. No, just okay. a bit that built out of whatever we were talking about. Uh, well, let's try to recreate it now. Yeah, <laughs> it'll make just as much sense. <laughs> All, all the bits will hit just as hard. Oh, you know that thing when you recreate a bit, it's always as good as the first time you did a bit. I love it. Let's see, yeah. What were we talking about? Yeah, um, especially because none of us really remember it. Yeah, let's yeah. dive in. It's great. Let's yeah. piece it together. Uh, <laughs> no, but I'm impressed by how much detail you, you put into the work uh, just so people can get that, that, that muscle memory. Because – the jobs you're talking about are ones where they have to assess a situation that they may have never been in, but have to know the answer to. And that, that's that putting that puzzle together without seeing the top of the box can be impossible sometimes. It's, and I think that's exactly it is these people are often placed again, specifically kind of in the medical and military world in truly impossible situations. You know, right. there's no right answer mm -hmm. often, yeah. you know, you've got the medical people who not only have to, figure out what's wrong with the individual, but also keep them safe, keep the individual safe, and continue with, you know, empathetic, emotionally intelligent communication. That's a lot to balance right. for anyone. And so these run-throughs give them kind of resilience. You know, they come into the situation and, you know, oftentimes their eyes get, you know, six times bigger and they are truly knocked completely off center. I mean, you can see it happen, but then every time they do a situation, they get slightly knocked off less or they just come back to center more. They may get giantly knocked off center, but they can figure out how to re-bring it together and come back. So it doesn't yeah. take them a half an hour, it takes them two minutes. And that's kind of the thing, is how do we train them to bring themselves back to center faster every time? And, and it's practice. And you know, we would much rather have them fail in a scenario with an improviser and get those notes than fail with a patient who now goes home and doesn't want to take their medication because they don't trust what was said. Right. actively got hurt because 
they were not giving the cues or getting the cues in the right way and they left and actively got hurt, yep. you know, is it an abusive situation that you missed because there's too much going on? So we would much rather them fail with us and get that yep. experience than fail with a, you know, a real human. And the improvisers are just, you know, they're perfect for that because as a whole, we are a group of people who are yes and, you know, our belief system is support and enhance. And that's what we're there to do is support and enhance these individuals kind of on their journey to help other people, which is really great. And, you know, there are simulations that are specifically like, find this heart condition. That is your one job is to say it. But most of them truly are, how did you talk to that individual? How did you bring them to calmness? How did you speak empathetically so that they trust you? So that from now on, that trust is there and they're going to listen to you. So it's more about communication, which is why improvisers are so great because the entire time is just a conversation and teaching them to communicate. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's what you said. Like, um, I'm curious if there are things as the role playing improviser, you're also look, looking for like uh, certain actions or, or uh, kind of keywords for the person training to use. Uh, if, if you're like, we want you to get really worked up, but you know, there and the the trainee's goal is going to be to uh, calm you back down. Is that's the the type of scenario where I'm like, <clears throat> one, I don't know what would calm me down if I were in that <laughs> real like manic state or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 I just imagine being on the other side of that and being like, if I'm trying to make a real human connection with somebody who's actually you know, flipping out, like I, I might try things that are not like, I guess not unconventional, but like there's, there's a certain like intangible or like, um, uh, I don't know, like, uh, the, the Think with your heart connection rather than like what you read in a book. Yeah. We're like, we're it. like, if you yeah. can connect in the right way, like in the yeah. eyes, then, then you, there's like, there's something un, un intangible about that. And I just like, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, how you kind of, um, quantify uh, some of those types of things um, or separate them uh, from from the training uh, so that you you know as the improviser like okay they did this and that is supposed to have calmed me down yeah so the great part about that is is there's nothing that's gonna calm everybody down right it's that's just true. it's just not a thing they can train you to stand with an open posture so you don't look like you know you're angry at them but everybody's different and it's not going to be the same. So a lot of that gets left to the improviser. Do you feel connected in this moment? Do you trust this person? Do you want to hear more of what they have to say? You know, whether you're kind of in a military simulation and maybe, you know, they're giving you a death notification of your partner or, you know, in the hospital situation, maybe um, they've just come to you and told you that your child has died. And, you know, you're in the room, like watching it happen, but they turn around and tell you, you know, those are two very kind of heightened Heavy. emotional right. moments that the improvisers are often really out of 10, crying, you know, upset, mad, everything you can think of. And it's, there's no set thing. Mm -hmm. And some people are going to come in and do a great job at being there for you. And some people are going to come in and do a horrible job and just try to get out. Right. And it is really up to that person to feel how they feel. And so that's let me ask, oh, great. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say that's great. After 
doing such a heightened state or a, a big character or, 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 or tapping into such a big emotion, how do you rebalance? I mean, there's a, you, you go in with a very pretty disconnected mindset to, a okay. point. you know, like <laughs> you're as characters you can be. Uh, that being said, most organizations that have heightened scenarios will kind of give you an off time. So you have something really intense. Then you can kind of just go sit in a corner for a little bit with like, a, <laughs> you know, a tea and just be for a bit before you do it again or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it is a lot. And there are, there are days where like I lose my voice. <laughs> there are days where I come home and I'm like, I'm just going to go to bed at 10 because I'm done for the day. You know, I'm emotionally fried. Uh, but you get, honestly, kind of like anything, you get used to it. It's part of the criteria. It's part of the job. Often it's therapeutic for yourself. You're like, well, I just screamed for 15 minutes straight and I feel better. So everyone's going to have kind of their own way. But usually you get like a little debrief time to kind of decompress. And then sometimes it does come home with you. Sometimes you just know people really do go through these things and it's hard and you take it home with you, but it is good to also know that you're trying to make those steps easier for other people. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So I want to, I want to like ask more about just like the, the general um, sort of philosophy of, of how to use this work. But um, before I forget, I'm also curious, like how common is it? Like, do you know, do you have a sense of like, uh, are like all hospitals doing this and, it, it, how do people even look for it or or if they if this sounds like wow what what a cool rewarding thing right. to be able to do how would you even go looking for an opportunity yeah so i think it's probably more common than people realize but it's definitely not universal at this point there are hospitals that do it they have their own division you know our local hospitals have a simulation and training department like that the department is to take care of that concept and so, and sometimes you'll find it at universities instead of the hospitals. Oh yeah. So they're there. Um, I know even like our local universities will do them. Oftentimes you'll find them kind of either as simulation experts, standardized patients, role players. Those are kind of the words that you would look for. But again, everyone kind of does it to a different extent. I think it's becoming more and more common. In the past, a lot of hospitals would have other people going through the courses play the patient. So it's like, I'm, you know, working through to become a nurse at this hospital. Other people who are working through would get the paper and portray it. But what they find with that is it's not the same commitment. They're not improvisers. They just kind of yeah. read off mm -hmm. the script. You have someone else who's in the course who understands the end goal. So they just kind of feed it to you to get to that end goal. So we're still kind of in that moment where that still kind of happens, but people are realizing not as effective as kind of having external people that they don't know come in and really play it. Yeah. So I think we're going to be finding more and more of it as time goes on. But the most common place you're going to find it is definitely kind of hospitals and universities. But I think it's going to keep growing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, universities is a great thing to point out because I, I bet you, I mean, that's your education zone, right? So it's like... Um, it's great for a hospital to have its own uh, training branch. Uh, but yeah, if you're, if you're looking for where all the education is happening, I, I think a college or university is a great place to look. All the education. That's yeah. where all the education happens. <laughs> hey, kids, where all, all the education yeah. happening? <laughs> One learning goes down. It's all there. Yeah. So, um, 
so let me let me then now let me just ask more more uh pick your brain about the process of this kind of stuff um so the i'm guessing that the people in training um do they always know what they're getting into or, or is there like do, is there ever like uh we're gonna say this they know they're training but we're gonna throw in something unexpected and mainly what i'm asking is like how do you kind of uh get around or um reduce the side effect of knowing that you're in a simulation yeah the suspension of disbelief yeah yeah I, they always know they know yeah, that yeah. it's a performer and they know it's a situation but yeah. they also know that their educators teachers staff that keep you know count of them are watching <laughs> and so they have to try and do a good job and I've been fortunate. I've not had a lot of people who come in and are kind of like, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, you're fine. Go home. <laughs> you know, I haven't had that. I'm sure they exist once in a while. Like, I there's no doubt in my mind that I'm sure once in a while someone's having a bad day, has a bad attitude, and is just not about it. Right. Um. But more often than not, they want to succeed in, you know, either. Yeah in the eyes of their superiors, in a grade, you know, in whatever. So they try. They may fail, but they try. You know, I've had yeah. people who have 120% missed the point of the simulation and you can't get them back. You know, where I've been in those ones where, you know, you, you get these little like robot babies to play your babies. And so there's like a little robot baby and something's happening and it's turning blue and like the robot's literally turning blue. What? And you're sitting there and you're like being this parent who's, you know, worked up and they'll be like, I left you alone in this room and that baby wasn't blue. And now that baby's blue. What did you do? And you're like, that's not the point of the simulation. The point is to help the blue baby. And you just cannot get them help to the not blue baby. murder this baby and you're like no i you had one job it's to take yeah. care of that baby and now it's blue yeah. right and i'm hey. like no i didn't i didn't just murder this baby the whole point is for you to come in and fix the baby don't tell me what my point is i know a blue baby when i see one and ma'am you're holding a blue baby so you know uh, you I think have we found a name of this episode it happens and and the great thing is you know People are watching, so you might get a little bit, little over the last week. They're like, "Hey, the mother did not suffocate the baby; just fix the baby." And they're like, oh, "Okay." And then they're like trying to fix the baby. So sometimes you know, I, I like to work backwards. I want to know why first, and then fix the baby. So sometimes they need guidance, but I think right. normally they have pretty good intention. Yeah. Um, they often, I think, will get more nervous than anything. And they may try to like pause or step out of the situation. You know, we, in a lot of our simulations, we basically create an area in the room that is considered out of the room because we don't want them to actually leave into the hospital. So they can do, you know, their charting or call somebody. And as the performer, you're not supposed to see them or hear them because they're technically out of the room. You know, they're kind of by the door in a marked off area. And sometimes they just stay there. Like they're really nervous and they just don't come back, mm. you know, and you can hear them for like 20 minutes being like, well, I don't know what to do. And I don't know. And then they're calling people and they just, yeah. they've been in the simulation talking to me for a whole minute and spent 19 minutes hiding. 
So you're more likely to get kind of nerves than I refuse to participate. But honestly, I'm sure it happens. It happens kind of in anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I, I guess I was uh, thinking about people more like sort of knowing what you're supposed to do and and just kind of like uh, phoning it in and not, not necessarily like throwing up their hands and being like, this is, yeah. this is BS. But right. um, but uh, more just kind of like uh, hitting the things on the checklist like kind of kind of hacking the the game of it, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I suppose nerves is actually probably a, a more um, probably a more common side effect. I would think is is that like maybe people who would uh, perform better if it if it were a real scenario um, yeah. are just like I, I've got all my uh, colleagues and superiors watching me, and now um, yeah, this is really putting me in my head or whatever. But again, for better or worse even if it's not the same type of uh, stress or pressure, like creating that pressure uh, to perform is still gonna um, have its uh, benefits to go through that simulation, even if right. it's not for the same reason that you would be nervous in a different situation. Yeah, and, and usually they're not just in one. Usually it's not like you've done one simulation and you're done. Usually there's a simulation or two and then kind of a really structured debrief in any of these which I think is also kind of key for their learning is they go through what they did well, what they need to improve upon. And those are the moments that the people can be like, you kind of feel like you're phoning it in. Like you did not even remotely try to make a connection. You simply checked that their lines were done, went, uh, I'll call on some tests and left. Uh, and usually at that moment, if the participant is phoning it in, they're like, oh no, they caught me. I better do better the next time. And yeah. then there are more simulations <laughs> down the road that they get to kind of improve upon that approach but you know usually people are relatively new to the position when they do simulations and they honestly you know they're like i need to solve this and i right. may not know how and they really do kind of try there it's it's a small percentage of people who i would say phone it in yeah that makes sense um Kurt is uh, one of our mother's blue baby. And I, I gotta be honest, I, I, I like, I... Well, to put context to it, uh, I believe uh, Kurt is an EMS worker. So yeah, this, this is probably a general curiosity and not just a joke. <laughs> have you learned how to, uh, yeah. Have you learned how to fix a blue baby by just being in the simulation so much? Yes. There you go. <laughs> no, these are the questions that I like. Yeah. So, and it's also just as a thing, it's like, it's, it is a little tiny robot, but it's like a little squishy, like a baby. Like they add a little. Oh yeah. Like the one I use for American Sniper. I have no, no idea. Ref... No, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll explain the reference. Okay. I, I think I got to do it now. Uh, in the movie American Sniper, they used a fake baby in one of the, in one of his scenes where it's supposed to be him uh, as a, a touching father, but it's a really fake fake looking baby and that was like the big critique of that that movie was uh look at this oscar-winning actor play to the this baby he does an amazing job i can't think of the actor's name uh i think probably kurt knows uh but i do not that's fantastic yeah yeah <clears throat> i um, i okay well that's sorry i didn't know that it's fine. no i really am curious i'll, I'll send you to see you later it's it's pretty I, awesome i think it's good i have not <laughs> had that much exposure to, you know, these kind of robotic 
simulated humanoids until I started this, but you also get full-blown patience. You know, if you're playing a family member and you want them to actually stick a needle in, do something where they're clearly not going to do that to us as, you know, performers. So you get these people and someone sitting in the back room with a microphone and they're talking and they can change their blood pressure and their heart rate. So it's actually, and their chest is going up and down and they can give compressions. They're amazing. And then sometimes in between takes, you sit in a dark room with just like 15 to 20 of these things lying on shelves. It's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Horror movie scenario. Sometimes. Little robotic death rattle, no thing. Yeah, you're like reading your book and then you're like, (laughs) this is terrifying. Bradley Cooper Um, was the actor that we all needed. Yeah, Yeah, thank you, Kurt. (laughs) Robot B. Well, uh, well, so so so, <laughs> just to take this is to go back, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, go because back to robot baby. The, the blue baby thing was very distracting to me. It was in my head, uh, and I'm thinking about. <laughs> I would say the moment yeah. you read that, your whole demeanor no, changed. No, 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 not Kurt, not Kurt's thing, not Kurt's thing. Oh. I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about the person coming in and being like, oh, yeah. "Why is this baby blue? What yeah. did you do?" It, like. Uh, and and I guess to sort of uh, put that to a more useful application in this conversation, like I do think that it would be it's difficult to like sometimes um, keep yourself in this uh, scenario. And again, we just talked about how like, uh, OK, well, some people disengage in different ways or get nervous. But like, um, yeah, the, uh, just out of curiosity, have you ever found yourself in a place where like like this is absurd or, or, or like, you know, it, trying to hold it together um there are definite times where they are so far off or they're just like really vibing on something different or they're confused and making jokes about it that you are like don't laugh stand character oh man keep it together (laughs) there are a hundred percent times and and sometimes you feel horrible about it because you're playing a patient like in a really bad kind of situation but it's you watch them just trying to like process but then make a really bad joke about it because they're nervous so they're making jokes and Mm -hmm. you really want to sympathize and laugh with them and there are definite times where you're like kind of clenching down on your teeth to try to not smile because you really don't want to. Um, We all have tricks like that, 100%. Uh, There are times where, you know, if you play like a stroke patient, your left arm isn't supposed to move, but how many times have we been like, hey, and then you're like, oh no. no. (laughs) I'm cured. (laughs) I'm not better, I'm not better, yeah. (laughs) You're so good. So, you know, we all have tricks to like, uh, you know, hook our thumb under our legs. So we hope that we don't pick up our arm or, you know, again, the the beauty of them knowing that we're performers is they right. will often give a little in that yeah. same situation as a stroke patient. You know, they will take a really dull kind of like you're like an end of a paper clip or, you know, something kind of slightly sharp and pokey, but not bad to like, you know, touch your finger or tone. But like, do you feel that? And even though we do, we're supposed to say no. But I distinctly remember somebody once, I think she was nervous, her hands were shaking really bad. She poked me really hard. Like enough that I like flinched and jumped a little bit. And this poor woman looks up and she was like, you didn't feel that, right? And I was like, no. She was like, I didn't think so. And she yeah. just like oh, went back no. because she knew she had made me jump, but she wasn't supposed to. So they're yeah. pretty good at uh, freeze. Little... Are you okay? Freeze. Okay. <laughs> freeze. Freeze. 
Yeah, um, and yeah. they're great like that. But yeah, there have been times, oh my gosh, where I have tried so hard not to laugh. You know, you do kind of like the holding your cheek in kind of thing, and you're like, don't laugh, don't laugh. Yeah. I've yeah. never done the holding the cheek thing and not to laugh. I've I gotta try that because I I am I I am a light touch. I am a, yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Does it does it so help? Hard. In um, has it helped? You feel that your general acting commitment on stage for improvising and yeah. um, what what kind of like positive uh, reinforcement or side effects does it have for your stage play? Yeah, it's it's a whole different world. I mean, it's still improv because there is no script and you are going into a completely unsure person and situation, but it really does have you double down on commitment to your character, whatever that may be. You are going to double down and commit. It also really, really helps you learn to say the same thing in multiple ways. Mm. You know, if they're oh. missing it, you're trying to get them on a path, yeah. re-saying something in different ways, which, like playing party quirks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's very similar. And so that helps on stage, you know, if you're really trying to get something across to your partner <laughs> or you're playing a right. game where you're just saying the same thing, whatever it is, you really learn the nuances of saying the same thing in different ways. Uh, but also yeah, the nuances of body language like nothing before. Because, yeah. you know, you often don't know what's going on, but you've learned body language and you learn to read these participants instantly i can walk something someone can come in the door and i can go they are nervous they are cranky they're excited this person's going to be real cocky like you can kind of gauge them how they walk in and introduce themselves so you get really solid kind of intuition on body language of what's going on and i think all of that helps on the stage yeah that's great i'm sure that's that's great for i mean tons of reasons just being able to be uh more empathetic in like yeah. conversation and uh sensitive to people's body language around you, but, but, and and then, yeah, on stage, I imagine that you get a lot more cues and a lot more, you can use a lot more from what your scene partner is doing intentional or not. Um, I'm sure choices come much more easily if you're more attuned to that kind of uh, body language. Plus yeah. your range in characters must be phenomenal. <clears throat> like playing an older character or like uh, Shannon Stott was talking about, like, have you spent time with a kid? How, when kids, when, when adults play kids who haven't spent any time with kids, it can yeah. be, it can be bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all the same. Every child in an every <laughs> child <laughs> is the same. You we don't become know. special until you're yeah. eighteen. Precocious know-it-alls. Know. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> from age one to seventeen, you all have the same vocal quality, and then mm -hmm. eighteen is a whole new game. Yeah. Yeah. In general, I don't know the age of children and what that correlates to. You know, like if I am introduced to a child, I have no concept if they are like three or ten. Like, yeah. So I know that impacts how I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, and because it, it, it does change. I'm sure it changes so much, but I don't. I don't know exactly how. Uh, I don't have kids, um, but uh, yeah. If if you're like okay, uh, in this scene you're gonna be five, and the next scene you're gonna be eight. I'm gonna be like same thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm gonna be slightly harder. taller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At five, I crawl right, and then I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. <walking>. When do you start talking? Because mm, I don't remember. Yeah, eight is potty training. I'm pretty pretty sure. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
Okay, I'm learning a lot here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you um, have pine train to like the fourth blue. or fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't turn blue, we're great. That's all I know. So. Yeah. Um, are there any other, so you've got the military and the hospital, are there any other sorts of like uh, occupational role play experiences yeah. you've had that, um, that you want to unpack? Yeah. So those have honestly been my kind of two sectors of the world. I have done kind of hospital work for maybe about six years now, which is interesting because in the last year we've now ventured into telehealth. So now we do telehealth simulations Oh yeah. to try to train people in that. But that's kind of been my main focus because that was my thesis and what I spent a lot of time researching. Mm -hmm. And I mean, researching everything from, you know, Viola Spolin's work to modern medical <laughs> advancements, you know, the whole scope. Mm, yeah, That's really been my focus. But I do know that there are people out there who do, you know, corporations, customer service, how to deal with an angry customer. They will do things in education, like you're a teacher and a child is bullying another child. How do you handle that? Those all exist. Yeah. I just personally have kind of focused in on a section because I find a lot of personal benefit, but mm -hmm. also I feel like I'm contributing and I, I find it fascinating, the whole experience. And I've learned a lot of medical words that I probably <laughs> don't 100% know what they mean, but enough that yeah, you can fake it. You can. <laughs> Not like the rest of us do. <laughs> if we were on a boat and it was sinking and one person had to be thrown over, I could lie that I'm the doctor and I can't right? be yeah. sacrificed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. And I also just have like a stockpile of suture temporary tattoos, which really help for like Halloween and stuff. So <laughs> fun first date stuff, you know? Bonus. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, that's, that's so awesome. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad we got to talk to you about uh, your experience with this. Yeah. And I think that it is, like you said, it's it's just such a really uh, valuable, uh, rewarding way to apply uh, improv skills. And um, it, it reminds me of uh, my girlfriend, Julia, was doing uh, phone banking for the during the election. Um, and they were looking for improvisers, too, for people who, who can, like, really connect with... Um, the people they're talking to and have good active listening skills and um, be able to uh, just just really reach people on a human level and and uh, still have you know some kind of like script that they that they use but not in a robotic way you know so so right. it's like uh, it's the human part the improvisers they, are right. the human part they're not the book they're not the learn this phrase and learn how to intubate somebody they're the human part hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love finding out uh, and uh, finding out about this kind of stuff and uh, giving people a hopefully ideas of like, oh, well, maybe that's something that I would uh, want to do or look into uh, because I think it's a great application for this stuff. And um, thank you so much for sharing uh, your experience with it. I'm so happy to. Thanks for having me on and chatting. Yeah, this is, next yes, time I'll take a picture pleasure. of the blue baby and share it. So <laughs> yeah. Please, yeah. blue <laughs> baby selfie. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take a blue baby selfie. Yes. Boy. Well, yeah. Yeah. but anyway, did we just been... discover the name of our improv troupe? Blue, blue baby, baby selfie. selfie. Yes, coming to the stage. Great. We're hey. gonna do an Armando. Um. <laughs> and we're gonna try. Yeah, we're we're gonna tell stories until the baby turns blue. Uh. Yep. And then we do our first scene. Yes. First scene. 
Uh, yeah, this is this has been awesome, Mel. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, thanks yes. for thanks so, so much for all the work that you do uh, for the Improv Network as well. Um, and I hope that everybody checks out the ImprovNetwork.org. Obviously, you're either watching this through the Improv Network. Facebook page or the Improv FAQ YouTube channel. Um, and you can also find more of these conversations and videos and other fantastic resources on the website, the improvnetwork.org. Um, thanks again, Mel. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. This was so fun. Everybody watch. They do such fun stuff every week. Uh, oh, and <laughs> I like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, and you know what? I, uh, almost skip this just because uh, uh, we're on the Improv Network here, which is uh, one of your main bags. But is there anything else, Mel, that you want to uh, plug that's coming up uh, virtual shows or anything like that? Uh, honestly, I'm taking a little bit of a break. I work for the Orlando Fringe Festival, which is coming up. So kind of between now and mid-June when the festival wraps, I'm kind of in producer mode. Okay. So, but I yeah. hope everyone's having a wonderful time. I know things are starting to open up. Some are still virtual. But wherever you're all doing your shows, let us know about them. I want to see them. So, yes. Is the Fringe Festival going to be virtual or is it live? How yeah, are you guys doing? The, the first two weeks are going to be in person. And oh. then the second two weeks, which is June 4th to June 18th, it will be online. So anybody anywhere can kind of buy tickets to virtual shows at the virtual festival. Oh, that's awesome. Great. That's awesome. So uh, we'll make we'll share links for that when it's available for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, okay. <laughs> Kurt, thanks for joining uh miss you hope you're doing well and yeah, um hope you learned a lot about blue baby uh thanks everyone for joining <laughs> we'll catch you next time on the improv network podcast bye bye <laughs>